Hello, welcome back to the AI Insiders podcast, the flagship podcast of flagships. Think about it. Hi, I'm Adam Russell, the director of the AI division at USC's Information Sciences Institute and your host for the AI Insiders, where if you don't know, you could probably guess, we talk to humans. What do you think I'm here to learn more about AI? Are you really, really talking to humans? Yes, because if you are interested in AI, I think you might be interested in my hypothesis. A part of learning about AI, where it is now, where it might be headed, also entails learning more about the humans behind AI. And that's why I'm here, because this is where I, and now you too, dear listener, get to know more about the humans behind AI at ISI. I'm inviting you along to get to meet my colleagues, to watch me ask them slightly insane questions as a way to better understand not just what they do, but why, insofar as any of us really know why we do what we do. So who is brave enough this week to come on the podcast and try and answer my unlikely questions in my pursuit to grok, that's a term that can be used safely anymore, more about the human dimension of AI, why it is none other than Dr. John May. John is currently Research Associate Professor of Computer Science at the School of Engineering here at USC and Principal Scientist at ISI. He is also my dance floor hero, which we'll unpack a little bit perhaps in this podcast, because whatever else AI can do now, it's got a long way to go to pass the John May Boogie Woogie benchmark. Unpack that. So John, after that intro, if you're still here, welcome to AI Insiders. Thanks. It's great to be here. I didn't realize we were going to get into uh, into the dance uh, portion of my uh, of, of my audition. So uh, I, I'm glad I packed my shoes. It is, it is a talent show really here. Uh, so I like to, as I warned you, these are slightly insane and uh, slightly unconsidered questions. Uh, so the first one is, uh, I need you to work on the premise that I can take you back in time. Uh, and I can, and I can introduce you to 10 year old John May. And this 10 year old knows who you are and is interested in understanding how do I go from the John May I am at 10 years old, uh, which I presume was like breaking karate blocks and, and fighting off wild animals somewhere. How did we get from there? To, to where we are now. More importantly, explain to your 10-year-old self, what do you do? Uh, I make it so that you can talk to your computer and so that you don't need, you can throw away that giant DOS manual that you've been consulting for every little thing that goes wrong. You don't have to learn the difference between uh, recover and format. Uh, and uh, you just talk to the computer, tell it what you want to do, and uh, it's going to do it for you. 10-year-old mm. uh, John May says, and how's that going? Mm. Better than you might imagine. Oh, I, I can imagine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a ten-year-old uh, John May is is does have actually a DOS manual at that point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, nice, I, nice. I mean, I was. Uh, they didn't really know what to do with me in first grade, uh, and they had a um, TRS eighty, I believe, computer. It was one of those. Um, it had the basic programming language on it, and actually, the coolest thing about the basic programming language, as it was written on the TRS eighty at the time, was I don't know. Did you have you ever? written in basic a uh, long time ago long time yeah. ago right 10 go to 20 yep yeah exactly so the 10 right had that had those line numbers right the, the, right. the later on basic they got rid of the line numbers but the cool thing about um about this was if you after you type 10 and you write you know um you know print john is cool and then you push enter it would print the 20 for you and then you would type you know go go to 10 but so so i spent a lot of time in first grade i remember trying to see what the highest number was i just held you know kept on pushing that enter key to see where it would stop and sometimes you, you put in a new number and then it'll go 10 higher than that it was amazing uh and then i uh i uh, we had a subscription 
uh, to uh, what is called Family Computing Magazine. Uh, they had um, they had printouts of, of basic programs in the middle, and so I spent a lot of time, you know, basically coding Snake, you know, uh, without understanding oh, yeah. what I was oh, doing. Yeah. It was just you know one line at a time, and they, hey, look, I got Snake. So yeah. So when we got a, when when uh, my my dad offered to buy a, a PC, I think we had a, we had a compact luggable, and um, uh, you know I got got the the DOS five point one or whatever manual. I guess that was a little later on, and I read through the thing and tried to figure out how to do every every last thing. A lot of lot of shareware, a lot of lot of math math blaster. That was a good game. Yeah. No. All right. Well, I mean, clearly you found your calling. So normally I ask for uh, if AI didn't exist, given that you've done so much of it for so long, what would you be doing instead? Do you think? Well, I'd probably be if I was able to be successful, I would be. Uh, an actor playing a lawyer. If not, I'd probably be a, you know, person <laughs> occasionally getting commercial work. Okay. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed being in, being in plays growing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also enjoyed doing, uh, improv comedy, uh, in, in undergrad. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, teaching always really appealed to me because you essentially get a captive audience and a couple hours twice a week. <laughs> to do essentially do a stand-up show. That's true. Any any future John May students who are listening, though, I can assure you, it, it's it's good stand-up comedy. Like it's not like he's not keeping you hostage, and, and you start thinking about how you can feign death to get out of it. I would like I would like to say that I um, that I feel happy or successful in my teaching when my students tell me they learned something. Yeah. But if I'm honest, I feel successful in my teaching when I can get a laugh out of the students. Edu edutainment. Edutainment yeah. is the way forward. Absolutely. Um, so you, you are funny. Uh, you're interested mm -hmm. in how people engage on that level and you work in AI. Why does AI suck at humor? Why is it so bad? What, what makes something funny uh, is it, it comes in the moment. It comes in um, the uh, upsetting of expectations. It comes in the uh, kind of appreciation for the mind yeah. of who you are talking to. And uh, at least for me, because I tend to be a narrow casting comedian, like I would rather have one person fall out of their chair uh, while the rest of the people kind of look quizzically than get everybody to laugh, which is why I was not a more successful uh, comedian, like professionally. Uh, and uh, I think that... Well, for one thing, I don't think AI models currently or natural language models are trained specifically to um, to uh, subvert expectations. They're trained to mm. fulfill them. Mm. But, but yeah, that, that's one part of it. And the other part is that when it comes to like live humor, humans are really great at their sensing, right? Like we take in a lot of the context around us and the, the, the raw hardware that's doing sensing in um, computer models is still pretty behind yeah. i think yeah. uh i mean I, again maybe more than one year maybe maybe three years that'll change uh because i know some great people are working on on that but but i think that that you know we're taking a lot of that into consideration when we're when we're uh, figuring out what to what to do to get a laugh and so yeah i think i think that's a big part of it no i think that's right uh the context in particular that's that's uh that's very astute john uh but you did actually touch on something that's uh that i'd like to pull on a little bit which is you know, your, your timeline for AI catching up on humor uh, went from one to three years, but not much beyond that. Uh, and you point out things are changing so fast. Given they're changing so fast, two quick questions. What are you most excited about with the developments of AI in the near future? And what are you most worried about? Well, I'll start with what I'm most worried about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most worried about people. Um, and, uh, you know, people are great at innovating and they're great at innovating ways to um, uh, harm each other and mess in their, things in up. their own service for the services of their own, um, you know, local uh, optimization. Uh, and so uh, the um, uh, AI is a very uh, useful tool, but there's also, uh, you know, great risk involved in, for example, uh, sometimes intentional risk of bad actors trying mm-hmm. to do things like create fake news or create deep fake images, et cetera. Uh, and then also like potentially uh, uh, unintentional or, 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 or maybe a little somewhat deliberately turning a blind eye where, for example, intellectual property is uh, abused, uh, is, is neglected. And uh, so that's, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, what I'm excited about is that these are useful tools and I feel fortunate that I tend to be catered to, uh, probably not directly, where these tools are, are uh, almost seemingly created with me in mind. Uh, that is another probably worry, not probably, that is another worry, uh, which is that the availability of great tools that can increase productivity and increase delight are not being uh, made available uh, yeah. equally yeah. Uh, or for like you know, the if speech recognition is going to be great for my voice, but it might not be great uh, if you're a different age or come yep. from a different background or, yep. you know, uh, re- represent as a different gender than me. But to the degree that there is focus on increasing delight and increasing utility, there are, I know there are actually really are great people working on, on all these kinds of technologies. And so, uh, you know, the, it just kind of opens your mind to what can come next. And, you know, we've come a long way is, I guess, my point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that we can ask questions that we would never even think to ask before. And so that just kind of inspires a whole lot of, uh, of, of interesting exploration. Of, okay, what's the most interesting next problem? Which, you know, it's, it's a difficult question to answer, uh, actually, but it, but it gets us thinking. We're not just doing Shh. the same old thing. Sure. Um, you, you referred to AI as a tool. Do you, how long until you think it's going to be a teammate? Or is it already? Do you do you do you consider AI at all like a partner in some sense? Yes, but I I do, but I also consider AI probably more broadly than you do. Mm. So I would consider. I ask my students this question. I'll ask you this question if mm-hmm. you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, is ChatGPT AI? Uh, I think it is in the sense okay. that like yeah. Well, hold on, okay. it's a multi-part question. Right. So, but so are knowledge graphs. So yes, are, yeah, okay. Uh, so is Google is Google um, navigation AI? I think so. Okay, great. Uh, when you walk into a grocery store and the doors open for you, is that AI? <laughs> uh, are you in an Amazon grocery store? Because it is no, no, no. Like, just, just, yeah. just your, just your typical Kroger brand uh, in your city of choice. I would call that more instinct in some sense. Yeah, just uh, you say uh, instinct. I'd say almost input-output kind of process. It doesn't require uh, any actual sort of in, uh, information processing other than a, sa- a standard circuit board. What about what about the spell checker? Now, probably, yeah. I think. What about the spell checker five years ago? Uh, Ten years ago. Well, you tell me. How should I think about it? Well, I think that when I ask people, I get different answers. I think that uh, I've asked students about this before, and I think uh, they tend to be, uh, you know, only the latest was uh, only maybe ChatGPT. I don't think they would consider a spell checker even to be AI. They Mm. might not even consider Google, um, right, or you know, automatic navigation to be AI. What I remember learning at the time uh, in the uh, late 90s, early aughts in an AI class was, well, that the definition of AI actually is squishy and tends to change and mean 
anything that uh, a human can do that a computer can't do yet. Uh, and then once the computer can do it, it gets it, it, it moves on. So even um, like, uh, you know, older fashioned chess playing. Um, well, they always call it AI there. But like, I think people might even think that uh, that that some some older chess uh, algorithms don't count as AI anymore. Since you're helping me think about AI, and this is useful, and this is actually why I enjoy being being your colleague. Um, where have you been most, or where have you been most wrong about AI? And then the second is, what do you think is the most? Um, what's the concept in AI that needs to be killed? Like, what's what's the most misunderstood or or the most unproductive concept in AI? Yeah. Okay. So I was super wrong about the uh the the power with which uh neural network based learning would be possible so just a know, scale i got yeah. i gotta hand it to hinton and uh and the rest of them uh when uh i can tell you where my eyes were first opened and even then i was a skeptic so when in about 2014 so this is after already say word to vec had come out and and of mm. course mm. you know people had been working in neural networks for a long long time and, and had shown interesting results, but they just didn't scale. Mm. Um, but in 2014, we were working on a machine translation um, uh, project. We were I was at, uh, at this point, ISI again. And then uh, this guy, Jacob Devlin, uh, who was the, the uh, you know, fairly junior engineer on this, uh, had, you know, his, his system had like, you know, it was 10 points better than all of our systems, or maybe it was even five points better, which is an astonishing number of points. You gotta take mm. my word for it. So, so like, wow. What the heck happened? And Jacob used a neural network, but then there were teams that were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have this complicated pipeline for doing translation. We're just gonna show you what is the source language example? What is the target language example? And we're gonna build, we have this big neural network uh, and it's just gonna, we're not gonna give you any kind of guidance, give it any kind of guidance at all. We're just gonna let it run for a long, yeah. long time and it's gonna yep. figure it out. And I said, there's no way that can happen. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, then, and then it happened and I was like, wow, I was really wrong that there was no way that it could happen. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I was kind of like, huh, I wasn't, I wasn't so resistant that I didn't wanna get into it, but I, but I definitely like should have taken another step. So that's, that's a big regret about, uh, about uh, was, and what was the second, you had a second question. Uh, what do you think is the uh, most common concept in AI? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't think it's useful to talk about, uh, you know, what is it? What does an AI think? You know, what does an AI believe? What's it going to dream about? Yeah, that's right. I'm not I'm not down with that. Um, I, I, again, I still am of the opinion we're not I don't think we're creating life. I think there's a sun. Uh, there's a fundamentally different, different thing there. The different thing is that I think life wants to live and ai doesn't i think if, if anything ai wants to die i mean what i mean is that uh, a capacitor wants to discharge right mm -hmm. and that's at the end of the day all of the binary signals are through are, are being represented in transistors which are essentially capacitors right and so i think you know ai would be quote unquote happiest if you just turned it off I've never um, thought about that. I love that. That's very interesting. I, I think we are amazing pattern recognizers. Another another great property of humans. Uh, and we're going to see a face. If you just put two dots in a horizontal line, we see a face always, right? Um, we're, we're just we're just kind of predisposed to recognizing 
various patterns. Uh, and we want to see other other beings there. And and so even from the Eliza days, you know, just that neo small neo Rogerianism yeah, uh, helps. Project, project on but it, yeah. in, in science fiction, you know, it comes up a lot, right? You you want to feel for data. There's a, uh, you know, are you yeah. Star Trek The Next I, I, Generation? Yep, absolutely. Yep. There's a famous episode called Measure of a Man where uh, where this android, Data, has to, is, uh, you know, they're arguing whether or not he slash it is conscious. Right. Uh, and, and is is a, a, a being. And, and, and of course we're on the side of, yes, he is. He's a character, right? But, but, but that's a reflection of the humans who wrote this episode and who wrote the character, right? Like, Data ultimately is human, right? Like, in truth, even though it is all, like, synthetic. I think a true AI is not like that. All right. Well, hey, we're uh, we're running out of time, John. Thank you very much for uh, for spending this time that I, I know is valuable to you to, with me. Uh, I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. it's doing what it's supposed to do, which is I I think I actually know more about John May than I did when I started. Awesome. All right. Well, well I, have to, I have to have you on your podcast at some point so I can learn about the Adam Russell behind Adam Russell. <laughs> well, that's why I'm on this side and you're mm. on that side, and you just you you mind yourself. Um, I did want to highlight uh, just before you disappear, though, this, I had mentioned previously the, the notion of, um, you know, the, the highlights of your technical work for the, the country, ARPAs and DARPAs, but then also the, the number of people you've mentored and the students uh, that you've listed uh, that, that have had the chance of the benefit of your stand-up comedy or what's <laughs> called edutainment. Um, and I, I hope actually you'll list me among these students um, because you you have really been such an important person for me in my short time here at ISI. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you're welcoming and challenging, uh, <laughs> but I think more importantly is you're, you're creating a much needed atmosphere of sort of psychological safety. Um, you really are not afraid to ask questions. You're not afraid to try new things, but but I think perhaps more importantly is you inspire other people to feel safe doing the same thing. Um, and and again, I think another thing that sets ISI apart is uh, the value we place on our our students, um, which yeah, academia sometimes they they can be, I think, mis, mis, uh, how's this for neologism, misunderappreciated. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I, the student, I mean, this, people ask me why I did this. You didn't ask me, but I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask myself and answer that question. Is why, mm. why do you do what you do? Like, what's the best part of your job? And I always say it's the students. I mean, having student meetings uh, is just absolutely glorious, uh, even, even when they're struggling or whatnot. Like, the, you, you just, you know, they, they have great ideas. And to watch students learn and to, to learn from the students because they, they know a whole lot more about That's the right. latest and greatest yeah. than I do, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah, and as you know, uh, at ISI, we talk about uh, technical competence, obviously, is, is hugely important. We also talk about the character that's involved, right? The kind of person is a learner, knower, as well as connections, people who can bring people together, uh, and then ultimately contributions, um, which is someone who knows that there are many ways to contribute, to include, in some cases, just making other people better in their own ways, even if, we, I mean, we can't yet measure that the way I want to, but I'm, I'm hoping we can, because uh, it's just obvious when I see it. So I don't know how this whole AI thing will play out, but I do know it'll play out better if we can bring more humans to this discussion. And that means leading by example, as you do so well. And I'm grateful to call myself your colleague, and I'm grateful that we've got you on Team Human. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm really happy to be working with you. This has been a, a wonderful, what, six, only six months or something? Like Not that, even, right? man. Yeah. yeah. Soon, hang in there. So, All right. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right. If you enjoy these short podcasts, please do that thing. Like us. Give us stars, my term for many stars. Subscribe, spread the word, send us feedback, offer up additionally insane questions you'd like me to ask. And of course, just keep listening and learning. And join us please again for another episode of AI Insiders in the future where we will continue to navigate our way through this weird, weird, let me add an additional weird world 
uh, trying to do what humans do best when they face these kinds of challenges, working together as if all our lives depend on each other because they do. So for now and for the future, fight on.